This is a quick disclaimer. Although the wise investor is trying to educate people on personal finance, what we talk about on the show is not actually financial advice for your personal and unique situation. Before trying to do anything with your money, always consult a professional. Hey, this is Anthony. And I'm Sal. And you're listening to the Wise Investor Podcast, where we help Canadians become more financially literate one post at a time. This is what they did not teach you in school. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of What They Did Not Teach You in School. Today, we got the usual Sal Longo, Alfio Fodi behind the camera, and our guest for this week is Daniel Inesito. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for Dang. coming on, Dan. I was really excited to hear you Much appreciated. On joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate very, it. Very, very special guest. It's we've known Daniel for a long time now, and we've been working with him in various projects. So we wanted to have him come on the show in order to discuss entrepreneurship, what it's like to run your own business in the new digital world, and kind of you came yeah. from the corporate world, so to kind of get an idea of what triggered that. Sal and I have been talking a lot about how in our current culture online and entrepreneurship culture, it's all about the glitz and the glam of like all the benefits of being an entrepreneur and not a lot of people talk about, you know, what the hardships are and the ups and downs. We really want to touch upon this this episode. Before we get started, I just want to say props to King Street Media, special sponsor for today because... They help us with all the production, the office space, everything's with them. If you need help building your own online funnel or websites, stuff like that, let us know um, at kingstreetmedia.ca. All right, so before we dive in, we'll get a little bit on pop culture. Something I wanted to bring up with you guys is, did you see the new Apple credit card? Yeah, I saw you actually sent it to me on Instagram. Have you taken a look at it? Yeah, I saw it. Okay, so Apple came up with this new credit card that really isn't that different than every other credit card. Daniel used to work at the bank, so you probably understand credit cards. Same with Sal and I. So I want to get your perspective or opinion on it really quickly for like two minutes on the Apple new credit card. So why don't you just explain what it is to to the audience? So if you haven't seen it, it's like this black optional metallic card or it goes on your Apple Pay phone so you don't actually need a credit uh, like an actual card and it's a lot more secure because there's no numbers there's no CSV at the back and the benefits of it is there's like a slew of benefits so like you get 2% cash back the day of instead of waiting to the end of the month and on your statement it doesn't say you know when you make those purchases and it's like random and you don't know where you made that purchase because the business name is like Mm -hmm. something else they actually track where the address is and match it to where you made the purchase and they put like a logo there so they'll actually say like you made a purchase at tim hortons at this location for this amount of money instead of like Tim Hortons, ZZQW, Incorporated, whatever. Yeah, you don't know. Um, What I find interesting about the credit card industry in general, not to go on a tangent here, but if people know what the credit card company charges the retailer, so like you go buy, I don't know, whatever, go to H&M, buy some clothes, Mm -hmm. the H&M has to pay Visa or MasterCard like three or 4%, depending on the card, per sale. So every $100, H&M is actually taking like 96. That $4 is going right to Visa or MasterCard. Then they give us these points, right, of like travel and all these things, and we think we're, you know, we're getting this service. But what I'm trying to say is for Apple, this card, it seems like 
the benefits are up front. And a lot of the benefits even stem from, I think it was Apple credits as well. You can buy like Apple products yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. <clears throat> look into it. I want to look at it in more detail. But that was cool for me, like getting more benefits from the card. Knowing how much Visa and MasterCard take, it would be nice to get you know some more features and products for us as a consumer. Your thoughts on it? So I guess my first question is how do you get this card? <laughs> I don't know. I actually didn't look into that. I didn't look into that. Can but I start selling these or what? Sign here. Yeah. Sign here, Dad. Like, is it like, so, but like, is it like you just go to a CIBC and like, hey, listen. No, I think you apply through Apple or it's something like that. Also, yeah. Apple. And I don't even know if they released oh. it yet. It was just at their a keynote where they were like launching new products. One, one little interesting. interesting thing for our viewers too. It's like, you know, when you buy a car, like if you if you go to buy a car at like Ford or if you're buying a car wherever, like a lot of these car companies don't just sell you vehicles, right? Like Volkswagen has VW Finance. That's where they make they're, the majority of the They're financial companies, right? So they sell you the car, they make a couple grand on the car, it's not significant. The margins are very small, but where they get you, or not get you, where they profit is on the loans they give you, right? Mm -hmm. At like 4%. And you know, it's funny that even a company like Apple, like. I don't know if Steve Jobs is rolling in his grave right now, knowing that the company is now getting into finance, but it's fascinating to see a company like Apple getting into finance. You, you know the thing is, though, um, and it's, it's not a play for making money off of interest. That's not what Apple's trying to do, because we know that Visa Card and MasterCard don't make money off of interest payments. Mm -hmm. They make money off the data that they collect from you, right? And the so you're, purchase, from the yeah. you're purchasing patterns and like stuff like that. So like a large company like Apple that's collecting collecting and harvesting data, Apple, Netflix, Google, Facebook, these are some of the biggest data companies in the entire world. This is more of a data play than a revenue stream from interest. They want to collect our data more so that they could better sell advertisements, essentially. It's uh, it's definitely interesting. Absolutely. I mean, I, like... I just... I, sorry. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to say how big of a millennial thing this is yeah. because it's like... Millennials want instant gratification, so why wait to the end of the month to get uh, your cash back? You know, I better I get better it every off, single day. I better start paying off my credit card if I want to uh, get this card. Anyways, <laughs> into entrepreneurship, <laughs> <laughs> or like the I, I was sold. I was sold on the black card. I was sold on the black. Just the card. look of it alone. Oh, I'm sold on that hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Now let's talk about entrepreneurship. Yes, All right, so, credit card. Speaking so, of credit So, uh, so Dan, you came, you came, you used to work at what bank? CIBC. CIBC. Sal and I both worked at TD, so we're very familiar with that whole grind. Mm -hmm. um, how long were you there for? How long did you work at CIBC? Uh, oh my gosh, it seems like forever ago, but it was like two, two and a half years, three years, three okay. years total. And uh, just kind of get an idea of like where, what made you work at the bank one, and then what made you leave the bank two. Interesting. Okay, so I went to university, St. Bonaventure University in New York State on a, on athletic scholarship, soccer, and came home after the four years, and I said, all right, so what's the plan now? You know, there was a lot of uh, family ties with CIBC. My father was a branch manager for 35 years. My brother's a financial advisor right now. So I kind of, you know, I knew I could always get into CIBC realistically. So I said, okay, you know, let me kind of try something different here. So I started working actually with TD in their back office lending department doing like credit adjudication and handling documents for when people hand you know are applying for a mortgage and giving them their you know income uh, um, income confirmation or whatnot I would review that document and I was working there for about a year and um, didn't like it why 
because I'm not the the I need to speak to people. You know, I was stuck in like a cubicle and not nothing against cubicle life, but I was just stuck in a cubicle and I was you know I was all like kind of in my own space and I'd only talk to three four mortgage brokers a day and I'd go for lunch and then I'd go home and then I'd do the next thing I did. Like it just routine for me wasn't. I don't do handle routine very well. Understandable. Um, I like to kind of sh shake things up a little bit, you know. So I was there for about a year, and then I said, okay, let me kind of uh, switch it up. So I went to, I started working with CIBC as a financial service rep, FSR. Very similar to a financial advisor. I was there for two years, and it was an experience. I liked it a little bit more because I was dealing with people and working with people. I got to know people and, you know, just working with finance and helping them, you know, achieve their financial goals and learning about and learning about how the bank works definitely is helpful exactly and i got no training too i just jumped right into the role um because they needed someone right away so it was a massive learning curve and um yeah and after i was there for about two years and it was a good experience so sure. what made you want to leave or what what triggered that was it an event or was it a slow build-up i would say it's a series of events um we'll start with my trip to europe that i went on for a few weeks with my friends uh, we went backpacking all across Europe and uh, we were actually in Spain and we were out at night and you know we met a bunch of you meet people from all over the world when you're traveling and we're meeting people from Norway and from you know Brazil and from Australia and all over Europe and you know one of the things that they kept saying to me and, and was that you know like I was asking them like hey so like what do you do and the common answer was like oh, I just kind of you know I, I, I'm an entrepreneur and I know what it meant. Like, what do you mean you're an entrepreneur? What do you do though? Like, what do you do? Oh, I help blank with blank or I help people do this. I help people grow their business. I help people, you know, lose weight. I help people feel better about themselves, like life coaches. And I was like, <laughs> well, I don't even know what this means. But the thing that stuck out with me is that they kind of had, they created their own life. Like they could create, they managed their own time. They created their own time. So when I'm telling them now, hey, this is what I do. I work at you know i work at a, at a bank in in toronto and um yeah i just help you i'm a financial advisor in toronto you know and it just seemed like a little bit like i realized at that point i'm like wow these guys just can kind of manage their own life in reality i really i can't really with what i'm doing there's too much there's a lot of structure so that was like the first like light ball went off in my head i'm like okay i need to kind of do something here where i can kind of you know manage my own control my own destiny i feel you right yeah. And then, uh, then I came back and um, jumped right back into the grind at the bank. And then I was working there and um, I've never experienced anxiety in my life. I don't even know what anxiety is. One day, all of a sudden, I'm having like, I'm sitting in my office. I'm having shortness of breath. And then like, my manager comes in and she's like, hey, Dan, like, you know, how many deals do you have in your pipeline? And like, I needed this on my, on my desk like an hour ago. And like, and I just came back from my trip and I'm still like dealing with like, jet lag and i'm like thinking about the trip and like i got my manager in here yelling at me and i'm like having shortness of breath and i'm like oh my god what the hell is going on like why am i feeling like this and i just walked out of the office and like i was that when i walked out of the office i was literally like on the sidewalk and i was like something's got to change here like obviously i'm not happy mm -hmm. and then that's when i basically made the change and then yeah and then that was it that's when i made the change and i just but what did you make the change to? Like, how, how did you decide what you wanted to do right. from there? All right, all right. So, so let me kind of go a little bit further into detail. So I got that anxiety experience and talking to all these people in Europe and realizing that there's there's a better way 
mm-hmm. of, of living out there. Not that I'm not against saying that it's wrong to work. You know, there, you can, it just wasn't for me. You know, working right. in that environment wasn't for me. The next day I called in sick. Called in sick and uh, I went on my computer and I was just kind of researching what these people in Europe meant by life coach or, you know, digital marketing or even entrepreneurship. I was brand new. I don't even know what, an, I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. So I go on the computer and I see this like Facebook ad and I'm like, all right, so this is, I'm skeptical. Everyone's skeptical of Facebook ads. I'm like, what is this? Click on the ad and basically the ad said, you know, how to grow a digital marketing consulting, how to grow a consulting business to, you know, six figures a month. Was it Ty Lopez? No, it was actually Sam Evans. Okay, sick. Way more credibility on Evans for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, okay, like six figures a month. So I click the ad and I'm going through the whole, like there's like landing pages. There's a series of steps you got to take to, you know, see if you apply. And, and the whole end goal is to, you know, get on a call with someone on, from Sam Evans team and see if you're a good fit for their program. And I get on a call, I scheduled a call. I was like, I have nothing to lose here. Like I'm not happy where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, was it I a need big to... capital investment? Like it's not like he was like a crazy amount. Three grand. Yeah. Okay. But so there is was, an element of risk there, which is good. Exactly. But at this point, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not happy. And if something needs to change, I need to yeah. take action. Like The I'm, worst I, case scenario, you learn a new skill or something. Exactly. Like that, right? Exactly. And the key point was taking action. Like, normally, like, old me would see 3K, and I'm like, no way. <laughs> yeah. No shot. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, I'm now, not happy. I can go back to Spain or wherever you came from yeah. for 3K. Exactly. Like, I'm not doing that. Exactly. <laughs> Most people, that would be difficult for them to do. Exactly, right? So, risk. so I'm like, I have nothing to lose here. Like my feelings are so like, I, I'm so unhappy that it overrides the 3K. So you took that leap of faith. Exactly, and I bought the program and I went through the program and they teach you how to build a business like they hold your hand, a consulting business, and it's been... It's how been, long, so how long you been doing this now for? March 2017. So, so two years. Two years. A little over two years now. Yeah. Holy shit, that's a... Uh, that's actually the hardest two years, the hardest years of the first two years. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely not easy. I mean, um, I guess this might lead into like your next question. Yeah, definitely. Cause I actually wanted to ask like, what exactly do you do right now? Like it's a, you do digital marketing, you, you started a consulting yeah. kind of practice. Yeah. What made you want to do that specifically? Was um, it the fact that you could like live anywhere you wanted or work remotely like what was it what made you choose that of all other things that you could have started a business doing yeah so i guess the first thing people think about when they think about entrepreneurship is like oh you're your own boss you can work from anywhere you can work from you know you look at instagram you can work from a hut in thailand on some infinity pool um but in reality (laughs) like you know what i'm saying like Guys, that is not reality. Oh my god! Getting to that point. You're not in Bali. Yeah. With some like twelve out of ten. Holding your laptop, laptop just above the water, like <laughs> making sales. Like you gotta you know love these saying? entrepreneurs. They have like some twelve out of ten, like Insta model girlfriend, oh with, like in some pool, like never working. I'm like, man, this is not entrepreneurship. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, so the first thing I, I, you know, what I realized about entrepreneurship and and when I how I got started was like I needed to find a problem in in any industry i need to find a problem in society like what problem could i solve solve? so this is a series of three to four failures i went through you know i found that you know chiropractors needed help getting clients so i started working with chiropractors and helping them get clients using digital marketing and digital marketing is a very broad term so 
in this program, they teach you, you know, um, how to use Facebook. So I became really pretty proficient with Facebook and I started to get, you know, help people grow, grow my own business and help people grow their business with using Facebook ads. Um, this was early on in Facebook ads time. If you did it two years ago, that's like when Facebook just started doing ads two years ago. Yeah. Right. So I it's mean, kind of, it's kind of fucked because like, uh, we think like, Oh, Facebook, like we're getting older now. I guess that's where we could like look back on time and stuff. But it was only three years ago that Facebook wasn't monetizing. And like everyone in the stock market was like, is Facebook a good investment? How are they going to make money? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And then they started doing ads and that's been their like main source. Now they're, you know, absolutely killing it. But Facebook ads are relatively new. They've only been around for like two and a half, three years. It's true. I mean. And it's funny because when you when you said um, when you just said that Facebook started monetizing, I think about the Mark Zuckerberg when he's on trial, and uh, and, uh, and the senator goes, uh, no like, you know, "How do you how do you make money off the Facebook platform?" And he's just like, "We run ads." Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like we have we have everyone's personal information, likes. We understand people more than they know themselves, including you, Senator. But we're not going to profit off that. Yeah. No way. No. It's like, oh my goodness, man. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, back to what I was saying, I was working with chiropractors um, and I failed. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't uh, getting enough business for them, plain and simple. And it wasn't going well. Then I started working with lawyers and I started working with, you know, things that I didn't really have a lot of knowledge in, but I knew that there was a problem. Mm -hmm. So then... You know, knowledge was the key word there. I'm like, but I'm like, I worked in the bank and I have mortgage experience and I have experience with finance and mutual funds and investments and, and just like, you know, credit. I'm like, why am I not helping mortgage brokers get clients? Plain and simple. Right. You know, I, I needed help. I would have loved to have this, you know, run ads on my own business and get, you know, clients into my door and sure. into my office and start getting deals in the, you know, in my pipeline. And that's when it started. It's been like two years, I would say, or you know, maybe a year and a half, but I've been working with mortgage brokers and helping them, you know, get more deals in their pipeline using digital marketing. Hmm. For all those mortgage brokers out there looking to get more clients, hit up Dan. We're going to have his, uh, his Instagram handle yeah. on here. Um, quick, quick question. For those that don't know what an online funnel is or like how Facebook ads work, you want to just kind of give a two minute pitch or like concept description on like how a Facebook ad actually works? and how you can target people and retarget people and how you create a funnel that ultimately creates more business for your company or whatever. Two minutes. Yeah, yeah make it 60 seconds. Just like, as if you were explaining it to like a child. How long are we? You know, yeah, how around to keep track of that stuff. So um, essentially, how a funnel works. So let's just assume that you're on Facebook. You're a mortgage broker and you're on Facebook. And all of a sudden you see an ad that says, hey, you know, you know, I can help you get better quality leads or I can help you grow your mortgage business. You know, first off, it's not a fluke that you're seeing that ad, right? There are people who are targeting those ads specific for not, they don't know who you are mm -hmm. as a person, but they know there's, they're targeting a specific interest, which may be, which may be finance, which may be the Toronto Maple Leafs, which may be Tim Hortons in a specific demographic of a specific geographic location. So, yeah. You know, it's not like someone just is pointing a finger at you and it's not a fluke that you're seeing that ad. 
So when you click the ad that you know you're reading through, you see a picture of whatever it may be, and uh, they know through various like activity that you have online that you're kind of like looking to buy a house or like apply for a mortgage or something. Yes, like for example, if you're like there's there's ways to target where you can tell if somebody's recently moved mm -hmm. or recently got a new job. Um, Facebook has those interests, so we know that you know if you can if you want to target someone that just got a new job, chances are you know maybe they might. When, when they got that new job, they also moved someplace new, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe they're looking for, or maybe they're obviously they're, they got a new job and they're looking to move someplace and looking for a property, okay. right? So these are things that people are doing when they're running Facebook ads. They're using these interests. Um, and that's what I do as well. So you see the ad and it's a nice picture, let's just say of the city of Toronto, we're targeting Toronto and, and or you know, your mortgage broker in Toronto and the ad says how to get better mortgage leads. So you click on the ad. Boom, I want to get better leads, right? So you click on the ad and all of a sudden now you're on a page that says how I help you know mortgage brokers get this is better called quality a landing page. leads. And that page is called a landing page, landing page, because you're landing from the Facebook page onto this page. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now you're in the first step of the funnel. The landing page is like the first step of a funnel. There's usually two, three, four, five steps sometimes in a funnel. And the first page is the landing page, and generally they'll they'll give you you know there's an offer like we'll offer you you know it could be like um, a one on one a discovery call with an advisor or a mortgage broker. Um, in my case, it was just a strategy session call with you know with myself. Yeah. Um, and then you there's a or there's a little offer as well. Like I'll give you an ebook, free ebook on how to get better quality leads. So you're collecting their information. And for them to claim that offer, you're collecting an email address. Right. right. Now you're going to follow up with. Now, so if you're a mortgage broker, you're getting that potential first time home buyer, that potential um, self, you know, business for self individual to input their email address now to, you know, speak with you, the mortgage broker, to get that ebook. Right. So they get that ebook and now they're on a page that says, all right, download your ebook and, you know, below click to uh, schedule a call with me mm -hmm. one on one. Because you showed value. If I'm a person, I went through your funnel. I'm like, oh, this guy's really good at getting new clients for client for cut for you know for professionals like myself or whoever. And I'm thinking, okay, like there's proof. There's an ebook. He's shown me proof that this actually works. It's gonna help me build my business. Now I'm actually interested in talking to you. It's not just like I'm now gonna call some random Joe on the street. I actually know, okay, this guy's good at what he does. Right. Exactly. It's the good. one good thing I'd love about digital marketing, especially the business that you're running right now, is it it directly correlates with like you're building people's business and you're also building your own. So the same way that you're getting clients for your clients, you're doing for yourself. Right. So it's like kind of like as you're learning for your clients, you're also building your own uh, kind of practice and whatnot. And it is it is one of the biggest opportunities. I mean, for the professionals watching this show that haven't dis explored digital marketing strategies, they should be looking into it. Um, I, you know, I'm in real estate, I do finance and whatnot, but the amount of actual postcards I see coming to my door from realtors is mind boggling. I mean, like I see what my parents do or even myself, we look at them, what differentiates all these realtors from their postcards? Really nothing. And if I'm on there on Instagram or Facebook and scrolling, 
you could target people, not just that are at their house in a particular community, like these postcards are doing, but you can actually target people that are moving, like you said. These are much higher probability of people searching for a realtor. And, you know, having the customization of, you know, being able to be different with video and pictures and stuff like that. So I what love you, the business model. What, what do you see right now that current realtors and, like, mortgage brokers and whatnot are doing that kind of, like is the old school way of doing things you wish that they would do now. Oh my God. So I would say I speak to like 10 to 20 mortgage brokers a week. And the, one of the questions I ask them is, how are you currently getting clients? Like what type of activities are you doing? The answer, the number one answer, and sometimes most cases going the only stags. answer is <laughs> going to stags. <laughs> it's it's uh, referrals. So it's like, okay, word of mouth family, friends, organic, organic. Role. If you're a mortgage broker, it's, it's realtors. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and they say, but I'm not, it's the not. The problem is what happens when your grandmother does, doesn't need a mortgage. How big is your family? <laughs> like, if you're, if you're Italian like me, you've got 16 million people yeah, in your family. Same. So you have a decent network. But, and even still, you're just rolling the die, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, and then some people will say things like they're going to door to door. And that's when, that's when I kind of in my head, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, man. You're going door to door. I'm like, you're going door to door in an entire neighborhood where I can, while you're walking door to door in that whole neighborhood, I can launch an ad and have it reach 3,000 people by the time you're at the end of the street. And you're saving, you're saving on the, uh, you know, a little bit of shame. I mean, it's good, good to do some door to door for your ego, get it's, shattered. Yeah, of course. I mean, but. I think door to door is good in a certain terms of like dealing with people, really, especially if you're brand new to the industry and you yeah. want to just build the skill of talking to people face to face and you know dealing with rejection and seeing how you deal with it yeah I, I think it's great but in terms of like you got to be doing multiple things like if you're just relying on your cousin Sal to give you business and the realtor next door to give you business and your postcards and going door to door like it's like 1990s shit right there exactly man it's not that's all you had that's all you had then That's nowadays. It. Okay, I'd like to uh, switch frames a little bit here and get a little bit more into entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. the risk to reward of being an entrepreneur. And some of the, I'd like to start off with some of the myths that are associated with being an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. I just want to list off a couple myths here, and I want to get you guys' opinions on it. Can I start one myth? I have, I Let probably have it written one. down, but sure. Every entrepreneur is rich for sure, right? That's one of them. Because it seems like everyone's flexing, they can do whatever especially they on want. Instagram. Okay. Cash flow is king. So one of the big myths is as a business owner, you make more money, which is true, somewhat. So 90% of millionaires in Canada, this is a real stat, um, are incorporated business owners. That is great. Definitely. uh, And everything here is going to go back to risk to reward because that's really what entrepreneurship is all about. Mm -hmm. Um, Taking on more risk to get more rewards. So yes, it's true. The millionaires in Canada are primarily incorporated business owners, but nine out of 10 businesses fail. So all the Instagram people flexing are either faking it, which a lot of them are. Uh, I don't want to name any names. And then also, if they are not faking it, you don't see the other nine that are like starving with no money going into debt. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that. What are your guys' experience with entrepreneurs and making more money, especially for you when you first started? Did you make more money? So <laughs> did you make more money? You right away. What? Did so you make more money you, right can away? You, can you show us your financials for the so audience? So the, the day, day one of entrepreneurship, if I showed you like how much money I made, it's you just, just my hand. 
That's all it is. There's nothing. Zero dollars and zero cents. For sure. I kind of transi- gradually transitioned into entrepreneurship because I was saying to myself, okay, I'm going to work, finish off at the bank. Started my business while I was at the bank. Yeah. Now, working with mortgage brokers, I mean, I started with chiropractors, right? But as I started working with mortgage brokers, things started, to, it was a little bit of a conflict of interest because I'm working at the bank and I'm helping mortgage brokers grow their business and mortgage brokers usually don't work at the bank. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Right? So I was like, okay, it's a matter of time here. Don't worry, CIBC. You're getting like maybe 3% of the business from the mortgages. Exactly. Sorry, guys. Finance joke. So anyway, so so once I matched the income that I was making at the bank, that's when I said, okay, I'm gone. And that did not take one week, did not take one month, did not take three months. It took about, I would say, a year to do that. That and that and that's the truth. And that's that's very smart. most pe- most businesses in the first year or two or five lose money, and a lot of people don't understand the impact of working twelve hours a day for very little money on a dollarly on an hourly wage if you actually calculate it. And that's what entrepreneurship kind of is like. I don't know many entrepreneurs that in the first three months start making a lot of money. Yeah, and I think I love that strategy. I mean, like you know, even. You know, it's been a couple of years since I left corporate and, you know, there's months where everything is amazing. Like when I started in real estate, it was probably at the hottest time Toronto real estate's ever happened. My, mm-hmm. It just so happened that every family member I knew wanted to buy and sell and I did good work for them. Right. But and then as a young man, you're like, oh, man, this is going to continue. Like what I did the last four months, like I'm just starting, you know, watch when more people know what I do. And then you see times where, like, last year, everyone thought the sky was falling and, like, no one wanted to buy. You had to, like, grind hard and, like, build your network. And I saw both the good and the bad. And what I would tell people is, like, if you're going into entrepreneurship, create a safety net. Like, Mm -hmm. we talk about having some sort of cash savings in your bank account. Three months if you're, like, a salaried employee because, you know, you can get sick or... There's unexpected expenses. But for an entrepreneur, you should have like six months to a year of savings if you're going full time. James Malonis was one of our first guests on The Wise Investor. And I asked him for like a piece of advice for anyone getting into the real estate industry. And he said to have a year's worth of expenses saved up. For sure. Which means like, and it's it's funny because, you know, even, even in real estate, they go, oh, Sal, you know, you... You know, I, I did it, whatever. I do a deal and my friend, you know, I help him out. And, oh, stop, man. You know, you made like $20,000 on this deal. It's like, okay, 20000 If you add up the amount of those that happens, maybe, you know, the average the average realtor doesn't do a ton of deals every year, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not going to divulge how many I do. But one thing's for sure is, yeah, you know, it could have taken me like four weeks or six weeks to do that 20000 You guys have been... Plus, I have fees and expenses and all this thing. So, what do first of all, what do I claim net of that twenty thousand? Does ten grand go to me clean? Very good point because then, a lot of business owners always talk about revenue. Exactly, and then the second thing is okay. And then how much of that net income? How long did it take me to produce that? So, as you guys are working at your, you know, your comfy jobs, and I'm and I'm grinding here, you know, you're getting a paycheck every two weeks. We're not. Yeah. Right. So it's not all oh, you, you made 20 grand. No, that's not how it works, man. That's not how it works. Yeah. There's right. a lot of expenses associated with yeah. a lot of business owners will say like, oh, I'm making $10,000 a month. 
revenue, but how much are you making net? So that's, that's one of the big things. Typically, all I have to say about making more money as a business owner is that it, you usually do make more money if you can last 10 years, you know? But very, very few people make a lot of money in their first three to five years. And that's why, how entrepreneurship is. Why do you is. think that? Why do you think very few people? I agree with well, you. Nine I just want to know your opinion. My own opinion, yeah. nine out of 10 businesses fail. Six out of the nine that fail should have never started in the first place. Yeah, but and that's then, not a why, though. Like, well, that they shouldn't have started because they don't have sales skills. They don't, they don't have the ability to run a business. You know, Maybe they were a really good baker and then they wanted to own a bakery but being a really good baker doesn't mean that you could run a baker a, a bakery very well you know exactly so there's various reasons why people sh are just not entrepreneurial and the minded or have the skills in the first one place thing, one thing i learned is entrepreneurship if i were to kind of dissect the two major things that you need as an entrepreneur one is you got to be a hell of a salesperson you have to sell like you never sold before. I don't care if you're number one in your company at sales. When you're on your own, you got to be able to prove your worth because no one knows your business. So you got to prove your worth. Plus, you got to if you're selling real estate, you got to sell their property, sell to the customer, sell to the buyer. Like you're selling to everyone. If you're running a business and you have employees under you, you got to sell the company's vision to your employees. So sales is everything. And and everything. To, to, to sales as well. It's uh being able to handle rejection and failure. Absolutely. Because just like you, you failed at trying to fit the niche of chiropractors. A lot of people would have probably stopped right there. Exactly. And I think just with sales, people have to understand that I think there's like the notion that, oh, that guy's, you know, he's good with people. He's a sales guy because he's <laughs> the way he talks. Like sales is a skill, is a it skill. Is. Like it's a skill that anyone can learn. Oh, I'm an introvert. No, you just think you're an introvert. Like you haven't tried to learn. I'm an introvert. You haven't tried to learn sales. Like you haven't tried to learn it. I think that's one of the reasons why I was getting this maybe anxiety at the bank because I just wasn't good at closing deals. And I was like, I would get nervous on calls and beginning when I started making sales calls for my own business, I would get nervous speaking to like all these real estate agents and mortgage brokers. And, and now after I've done, I've probably done over a thousand to be honest. And and yeah, rejection is huge. Like rejection for me though is is not a like now nothing it's like how can I play you. around it now? Yeah, like it's like it's, it's like, almost guaranteed. But it's like that for everybody. Everyone, you, everyone who makes their first uh, anything yeah. is nervous and sucks at it. But if you do a thousand times, exactly. you get good at it. Exactly. Okay, one of the other myths that I want to talk about um, besides uh, entrepreneurs make money is uh, entrepreneurs get to uh, work from anywhere and make their own schedule. What are your what are your thoughts on this? I think there's some truth in that. There is there some, some truth, truth in that, and I'll just I'll use a recent example. Is you know, my girlfriend and I we went to South America for three weeks, and if I was working at you know at a, at a company where there's policies about vacation time, I wouldn't have been able to take three weeks off. First things first. So yeah, it's great. You're taking three weeks off and you're going on vacation, all right? But I also made sales while I was in South America. So I brought my work with me and, you know, there were times when I had to stay in my hotel room and, and just spend the whole day on the phone and on my laptop. That's where I think the myth comes into play. It's the classic quote that an entrepreneur will work 12 hours a day for themselves, you know, or, or how does the quote go, Sal? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
they'll work 100 hours a week instead of 40 so that in 10 years so that they could work for themselves or that in 10 years they can retire and have a Something business like that runs yeah, on their it's, own. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Damn it, Alfiel. We can get the vote. I know what you're saying. I didn't know it. I just didn't want to bail him out. I, just, <laughs> I kind of know what's, what's it is. I know what's, it. What's, what's the There's quote? a quote. There is a quote. Something along is the it lines. Is it maybe? Is it like, along the lines, I'd rather work. No, something about I'd rather slave 12 for 14 hours a day for myself, right, to run my own business and work for myself. Then work eight hours a day as a slave for someone else. Something it's the sheep and the lion one. Pretty much. Like that. So, so like for me is, sure, I could technically come into work whenever I want or take a three days off or whatever. But for some reason, I work harder as an entrepreneur than I did as a salaried employee. Way harder. So the myth of like you could work four hours a day or like one hour a day as an entrepreneur, I believe is a myth because it doesn't actually work like that. Like a lot of the times, if you are growing a business, especially at the beginning, you're working 12, 10 hours a day, Saturdays and Sundays. When you're on vacation, you're still thinking about the business. Even when you're not working, you're still thinking about your business. So I think that's one of one of the myths that I wanted to like get out there. It's not really a myth, maybe a misconception. Misconception. Yeah, the whole sitting first class and then flying ten hours, like maybe oh that God. happens, you know, when you're twenty years in and you're like, you know, you you've mastered the game, right? That's what I'm it saying. It takes like, a while, man. Like it's not you go in there and you rent a Ferrari and you're flashing it on Instagram. It's that's not how it works. The second thing you need as an entrepreneur, sorry, I'm just gonna do a little plug here. Second thing you need as an entrepreneur is money management. As an entrepreneur, there's going to be costs and expenses going everywhere. Taking clients out, taking prospects out for wine and dine, dinners, advertising, advertising softwares. You're spending money everywhere. Employees, contractors, Upwork. You don't even know where your money is going half the time. But the key thing as a successful entrepreneur is you need to know and track your expenses and cut down where you can. There's going to be things that create value to your business. And there's things that are going to make you go bankrupt. So choose wisely. Very, very true. Before Sal and I spend anything on our business, we always go, you know, if we're going to spend $500 on something, is there a better way to spend that $500 to get more value? And there's, it's, it's also trial and error. You don't know, right? There's no, like, you don't get into business and there's like this matrix sheet that says, you know, spend a hundred dollars on this client and you'll make five thousand dollars. You don't know. It's a lot of faith. Yeah. It's a lot, but as you go into it, there's skill involved and, and you start realizing, okay, you know what? I've done these kind of events to kind of market myself and I've been able to help more clients and get more clients as a result of it. I'm gonna do that as opposed to, you know, maybe spending three hundred dollars on a long shot, you know, referral partner. A question to both of you guys, and I want you to each answer it answer it yourself, but um, what do you find is the biggest value of owning your own business? What do you think is the biggest reward for yourself? The biggest reward of owning my business, I would say, is the amount of knowledge that I learn on a daily basis. Why is that? So, this is going to be a big statement, but I would say what I've learned in the last, let's just say, you know, six months in my business, I can say honestly say that it was more than what i've learned in my four-year university education Absolutely. hands down and the amount of what you do with that knowledge is is obviously another thing but the amount of knowledge that i've learned 
that I learn on a day-to-day basis, like how to deal with people, how to deal with people who are aggressive, how to deal with people who are passive, how to build a funnel, how to build the right funnel, how to write, how to create the right offer, like what, who, what kind of books should I be reading, right? Is it because as an entrepreneur, you find that you wear multiple hats, you're multiple. thrown in the fire of things that you might not have done, you're working just like a linear corporate job, what, what is it about entrepreneurship that you learn more? Because you're not the first person on the show that have said, has said that before, so it's a pattern. So right now, I am the sales rep, I am the digital marketer, I am the, um, the head of the company, I'm the visionary, I'm the, I'm the face, like my image is everywhere, I'm the content, right? I do everything, Operations. so multiple hats. And I was really coming into this and, and starting a business with one hat, you know, being good with people, right? I knew nothing about digital marketing, creating content, none of that stuff, like zero. And I think the knowledge that I've learned and, and even the failures, like the amount of failures that you go through and you experience, the knowledge that you pick up from that, you'll never learn that in when you're working in a, in a structured safety environment where you're making your paycheck every two weeks and you know already what to expect. Like, I don't know what to expect tomorrow. I don't know what to expect. True. How about you, Sal? For me, it's, it's definitely how to deal with, uh, like the biggest thing I've learned it's, there's a lot. But what is, what is the biggest reward? The biggest reward from entrepreneurship is definitely, it's got to be just overcoming fear and dealing with failure and, and rejection. And you just start understanding yourself and you just grow more as a person. Like, that's the biggest reward. You know, when I got into entrepreneurship or real estate and finance and all the things that we do, you know, my, my main thing is like, you know what? This has got opportunity to, you know, make a lot of money, right? A lot of people, I want to be business for self because you have an opportunity to make a lot of money. Now I look back and I'm like, that now to me is not the biggest reason why I'm in business. The biggest reason why I'm in business is to grow as a human being so that, you know, I've, I've experienced my full potential. Mm-hmm. And how is that going to happen? Well, it's going to happen through tremendous pain of failure, of rejection, of uncertainty that comes with this lifestyle. And it's, guys, it's not for the faint of heart. Like I would not, sometimes I wouldn't wish entrepreneurship on my worst enemy. I would not wish it on my worst enemy. I wouldn't. It is a grind. It is brutal. Like, Sorry, this is that not, one is hilarious. This is not, like you might see me in my Audi, well, this guy lives a good life. I grind. I have to deal with it mentally all the time. But I'll be honest, like you said, Dan, like in the last couple of years, you know, I could handle risk better. If I was at a corporate job, everything would be given to me. It's just very easy. Now it's like I can deal with the uncertainty. I have multiple skill sets. I'm learning to deal with people. Cause you know, school can teach you so many things, right? Like school teaches you formulas and you know, I'd be in finance, I'd be crushing exams. Oh, you know what, man, I'm gonna be this like CFO one day. You know what, maybe I will. But to be a CFO, it's so many other skills than just financial formulas. It's, you know, how do you deal with that shark that's trying to hold you down? You know, how do you deal with people that have their own self-interest that don't want you to succeed? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, how do you know, should I partner with Dan or should I partner with that guy? Yeah. And, you know, what are the indicators that I can trust someone over another? Like, there's so many things of like, understanding human nature and character and you know building synergies and teams that's really what i learned that's 
the best form of, of entrepreneurship. Well, a well cu- couple more questions before we wrap up here. We're coming on 40 minutes. I would love to hear one of the biggest challenges you've had as an entrepreneur and how you overcame it. Okay. So I was actually just explaining this. I think I was telling Chris this earlier. So this was around Christmas time. So this is like December 2018. I had I was working with nine mortgage brokers and I was helping them grow their business. And it was like, I think the week before Christmas, I want to say. And I woke up in the morning and I had four emails, exactly four emails, each mortgage broker saying, I'm like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to work with you anymore because such and such reason, finances, whatever it may be, whatever, yeah. right? Um, On the same day. Same day. So four emails, right? So I'm working with nine brokers. I have five left. Two phone calls. As soon as I get down Come around, on. two phone from calls. Different, saying, hey, Dan, from different, from different, different brokers. Hey, Dan, um, you know, like, you know, things are kind of, I'm going on vacation with my family for about two weeks. And when I get back, I'm thinking about switching brokerages. So I just want to pause I, pause which means you know you don't want to you're done like you don't want to continue just tell me that just tell me like you know uh those expenses are you gonna pause it or are you, are you done um so they'll you know i don't want to continue with your services anymore so then i long story short i started the day off i ended the day with nine clients ended that day before and i woke up in the morning and i had one come on <laughs> holy shit within 24 hours within I would say less Next than 24 hours. I'm finance guy. Next time that happens, please call me right away. <laughs> I'm going to sell all my stocks in the Toronto stock market. <laughs> there's something that's going to crash, man. If you if you lose eight clients in one day, I'm like, yo, either the economy's going to shit or End of happening. year, probably whatever. But okay, so how did you... So, I mean, I, I, I got one client now. And so I was like, hey, how do, what do I do here? And basically, you know, I tried to kind of recuperate a couple of those clients back and, you know, it didn't work out. And basically, I had to just keep doing what I was doing, number one, and ramp up the activity. So if I'm sending emails or I'm reaching out to people and making phone calls, I got to double, triple it, Mm -hmm. number one. Uh, And number two, I I, I wanted to basically uh, learn a new skill of maybe, because I was noticing, I was trying to find out what the reason is that they're, what's the real reason why they discontinued. And I think it was mostly about money. So that's when I learned the skill of actually building a course and teaching mortgage brokers how to actually build their own digital marketing system, like market themselves. So that failure one, I want to go back to failure. A lot of people probably would have quit during that period of time and you and you had the grit to go through it. And two is you made you forced you to pivot a little bit, different revenue stream, different, different uh, angle. Exactly. Like I looked at it as, okay, there's, there's another, what's the opportunity in here? Like, it's all about the mindset, right? Like I, the thought of me quitting didn't even enter my, like didn't even enter my brain. I was like, okay, what, what can I do now? Quitting is a habit, right? How about you, Sal? (laughs) Um, so basically the biggest challenge, um, is that like, you know, when I was in corporate, you know, you have a very, a big element of control, right? Like I was best friends with the senior vice president. I was best friends with the wealth advisor. You could kind of project, okay, Sal, in two years, I have an 80% shot of getting whatever. And you know know what that job is and you know what it pays. I know what it is, what it pays. If it doesn't happen, I could probably go to a competitor. I know my worth in the job market context, Mm. right? In entrepreneurship, 
You could be worth a billion dollars, but guess what? Nobody cares. You gotta prove it, and there's a lot of things outside of your control, right? So every day, there's so many things outside my control. So the biggest thing for me was not to be this control freak. Oh my God, what's my business partner doing? What's my employee doing? Holy, my client, did he put an offer high enough on that house? What's my seller doing? Like, it was just like letting go, man. Just letting go. Yeah, I have to control and do my part, but learning and having that maturity of, you know what, I can't control every single variable. I'm either gonna have a heart attack very young, or I'm gonna just have an anxiety attack. So just letting go where the chips were gonna fall, they're gonna fall, and having that maturity of, I'm gonna control whatever I can, and just letting the rest kind of do its course. In the long run, it should work out. I like that. Entrepreneurship, like sport. That's what that's what I think entrepreneurship is. It's like a sport. <laughs> you could try yeah, your absolute good. fucking hardest every single day. To work 12, 15 hours a day, do everything right, and you still not might not win. Crosby is like the best player in the world, yet he still loses. Mm-hmm. You know? So that, that's the sad thing about entrepreneurship is that you could give it your all and still lose. There's no participation medals in entrepreneurship, you know? So Is that your biggest challenge? Yeah, in a way. But we got to wrap up here. So, Dan, <laughs> where can people find you? So, it's my lastname.com. That's my website. Yeah. It's a long last name. I-A-N-N-A-C-I-T-O.com. Mm-hmm. Long last name. And then my Instagram is Yanisito Enterprises. And yeah, just and my Facebook is Yanisito Enterprise. So you can find me there. You can check out uh, my website. You can check out my Instagram. Uh, Instagram is kind of, uh, I don't really use it too much, I'll be honest, for my line of work and the people I work with. If they want to get in touch with if you. If they want to get in touch with me, best would be Facebook and best would be just, uh, you can use Instagram. Perfect. Me. Perfect. So any mortgage brokers looking to build their online funnel, hit up Dan through those channels. Okay. I ask this question to everybody on the show Mm. that comes on the show, guests on the show. Same question every single time because working in certain industries, you get a understanding and expertise that the normal person doesn't rarely even thinks about, you know? So I always like to ask the guests on our show, if there was something that you know is true, you being in digital marketing as an entrepreneur, working with mortgage brokers Mm. and different professionals, if there's something that you know is true that you wish everyone else knew, what would it be? And answer that question looking right into the camera. I'm gonna say that there's no such thing as failure. I think failure doesn't exist. Basically, what you have are lessons learned. And as you take, you know, go through your journey of life and your career and you're gonna so-called fail millions and millions of times failure is inevitable but if you look at it from a different perspective that failure doesn't exist it's really just a lesson learned every failure that happens is just a lesson and if you take that lesson and take the knowledge from it you move on and you become a better person and more successful person i love that ain't that the ain't that the truth as an entrepreneur we don't know who's gonna have this big empire or who's gonna be back at the corporate world, but at least we're growing from it, right? That's all we can do. Dan, thanks for coming on. Absolute thanks pleasure. You're a beauty of the finest class. Thank you very much. Thanks, this is what they did not teach you in school. Until next time.
for tuning in to this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Wise Investor. Until next time. This is What They Did Not Teach You in School. We hope to see you soon.